Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 329 on Tuesday the 19th of May 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be asking what are we to believe in this age of spin? We talk about how the industry really needs to get its message consistent. And we look at a way you wouldn't believe some companies further their eco-credentials. But first, a touch of follow-up. Last week we were talking about e-scooters and we had the amazing revelation that Alan had tweaked his thoughts on e-scooters and it became a it depends answer, which which we're all heartily joyous. That's joy as good to as see. you ever get from me. I'm a consultant. Yes, essentially it was it depends where they're used was how we both sort of came round to well there there is a there is a place for them but what's happened is the government has launched a open consultation for legalizing rental e-scooters so this is to define what an e-scooter is and rules for their use there is a link in the show notes if you are interested in this please click it and go through it but we have only until the 2nd of june at quarter to midnight it's really interesting. The other thing it mentions in some of the background is there is a call for evidence on micromobility vehicles, which includes e-scooters, which was launched in March and runs until the 3rd of July as well. However, in parallel with that, they really, I think they want e-scooters pretty quick and will come along, come, uh, we'll talk a little bit about why that might be shortly. But yeah, there's lots. What's interesting is just the number of things that it impacts. I mean, I ran through some of the regulations last week, but there was stuff I, I hadn't thought about. But there's loads of bits that they talk about in there about what they they how they define an e-scooter, where they're proposing e-scooters can be used, like not on pavements. Well, hey, well, hey, uh, which is great. Rules about them. Do you need a motorcycle helmet? That's an interesting one. I hadn't thought of that. It was an interesting one. So. They would need. They'll need. They would need to amend the existing requirement in the motorcycle brackets protective helmets regulations, nineteen ninety eight, removing the requirement for a motorcycle helmet to be worn as it relates to e-scooters. So they're essentially introducing a new sub. So below moped type, somewhere between e-bike and moped. Yeah. Okay. Because they've got to get rid of that. So, like, they're saying we strongly recommend you wear a cycle helmet. Yeah, because the the motorbike helmet surprised me, because I just hadn't thought about it. No, Because I, I don't do biking, so I have no idea. But mm. I would have presumed they might push for the cycle helmet. However, I could see how higher companies had pushed back on that going, but then we won't have the adoption because someone's got to walk around with their own or not. Yeah. So the thing about cycle helmets, they don't propose that wearing them be mandatory. Uh, and I'm quoting from the gov.arc here, and there'll be a link in the in the show notes. They don't propose it'll be mandatory. The government considered mandatory use of cycle helmets in details, part of its cycling and walking safety review in 2018. We believe these considerations are broadly applicable to e-scooters with a similar speed limit to EAPCs, uh, that's electric bikes, and will continue to recommend usage of cycle helmets. That's pretty good. Yeah. The other one is um, is that you wouldn't need a CBT to ride one. Yeah, but they would say that. Uh, hang on, what was it? They don't require formal training or testing. But if you don't have a driving license, you'd be able to apply for a provisional license to use a trial e-scooter. Is what they're saying. So e-scooter use from the age of sixteen, right? And that would be the minimum. So even if you've got an international driving license, which lets you drive in that country if you're younger, then sixteen is the minimum. 
age. There's a way to fill in. There's a couple of ways you can fill in online and all sorts of ways. Do please follow the links because it's quite interesting and it actually seems, uh, unlike so much we hear about in the news these days, it seems uh, really very well considered. Yes, it does. It does sound like they have thought about it. I thought that was really interesting because I'm odd like that. Right, take us through our catch-up of the motoring world and coronavirus, please. Uh, well, as ever, as ever, we're running from the massive list for from Autocar. James Atwood's fingers must be just stumped now on a keyboard. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. He's done a brilliant job, though. I must, I must ab- remember to tweet him and tell him that he has. Yeah, yeah. So many... Uh, did I include this later? Yes, I did. So many factories are starting to reopen again, even if it's just starting with the engines and their engine factories. Uh, so they're starting to introduce people back in again. Uh, lots of discussion around Formula One, which we don't normally cover. And that's most of it. Uh, there are two standout stories from here, really, and they're not that Ferrari has reopened its museums in Maranello and Modena. <laughs> they are, first of all, that McLaren was turned down for a significant size of loan from the government, $150 million. So it is looking potentially as a way of, of raising raising money to mortgage its historic race car collection and it and its headquarters on that front though i noticed that today there's been a tweak to the rules for go, uh, companies trying to loan large amounts of money so this is it used to be up to 50 million but it's now been extended up to 200 million but if you're asking over 50 million one of the uh, one of the um, criteria if you're approved, is that the bosses cannot take any dividends during the time that you are repaying the loan. And everyone, every company that is over the 50 million mark mm-hmm. is named and they are kept a check on and the, and it will be publicly logged. They didn't get a, a, a dividend and stuff like that so that people don't feel, I think they've learned this from the last issue with the banks, that people don't yes. feel that, that companies have, have taken the cash and then just gone, great, that's my back pocket, I've got my bonus sorted, let's carry on, and we'll still, you know, put up our prices, et cetera, et cetera, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, think I think that's, that's a really good. interesting move that they've made, and maybe because of that, McLaren might have another way in now. It may well be that McLaren, the rest of McLaren's finances, as I say, they they, they may be turned, they may be, and this is conjecture, turned around and said, well, actually, you've got an awful lot of assets there mm. which you could use to raise this money instead of having it from us. Yeah. Uh, and I could understand, I think, that that would be a a, a, a grown-up thing to say as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. They do. They have many assets. Uh, and if stuff wasn't already mortgaged, then uh, then maybe that's that's the way to go. Yeah. But that's, that's what's going on. So that was one of the big stories mm-hmm. uh, from this week. The next, you've paused, and now I'm scared. I'm in the wrong order. Well, should we should we go straight on to the TFL one, and then I'll I'll do the. I think maybe we should go straight on to the TFL one and change the order. Yeah, because that that ties in nicely with the autocar list uh, timeline. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So I think if we go into the, well, I was hinting at before the London congestion charge and how it's come back in following a 1.6 billion bailout from the government for transport for london Mm -hmm. 
It is not as clear-cut as was initially made out in reports, though. Because when this news first came out, the way it was couched in the press, because of the way things had been hinted to them, was that the government had demanded that the daily fee comes back in and it be increased. Yes. If you want to know why... I'm not going to go through it, but if you want to know why... Transport for London is having money issues. The long story short, or the TLDR version is, they're trying to run as many services as they can, even though they have significantly fewer. I mean, like 70, 80%, 90% fewer people using them in the hope that they can, there'll be fewer people per fewer people per tube, per bus, whatever. Because that was so a criticism that early on, wasn't it? Before yeah. before we got full lockdown, it was a criticism because they uh, they didn't have as many tube trains running, mm. which was so a combination everyone... of closing down uh, some of the trains, but also that the drivers and staff were getting ill and couldn't come mm. into work, so they didn't have the people to cover them. And therefore, people were... Also, obviously within two meters and everything, and then there was there was yeah. lots of stuff on social media about how ridiculous TFL were, without <laughs> actually thinking through what the potential problems were. I'm yeah. all for kicking someone when they make a stupid mistake. Don't worry, but I thought that was a bit harsh. But there's an excellent this London Reconnections article about the impossible finances of fighting a pandemic. Yep, it's we've got a lunchtime read later on but if you want something that's a bit more serious this is really really interesting it uh, is. and it's a fairly hefty thing to read but it goes into it in quite a lot of detail also However, also we've got uh, the thread of the author where he um mm-hmm. outlines some of the point john bull um it, it's 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 really good thread and it's a really good article yeah but the outcome of all of that is that the london mayor uh, decided, uh, I'm sure it's the London Mayor and his team, but the London Mayor, who's responsible, decided that what they were going to do is reintroduce the congestion charge in London from Monday, yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, as we record this, after two months suspension. And he decided that the daily rate would increase from £11.50 to £15 from the 22nd of June. Okay. So first of all, it's going up 30%. The sneakier and more evil part of this is that it's not going to be from 7am until 6pm anymore. It's from 7am until 10pm. And? And it's also seven days a week instead of yes. five. And and this was announced, what, a day, two days after the Prime Minister had said, you know, if you can work from home, work from home. If you can't work from home uh, and you can go to work, but try and avoid using public transport. Walk, cycle, take the car. They were actively told to use the car. Actively told to use their car, and then the Mayor of London introduced this. Understandably, this has this has caused outrage. Yes. Are you outrageously outraged? Because actually, I am. I, uh, I'm not. I'm not that surprised that this has happened. I have to say, because I had my cynical pants on. Yeah. But I think it is really silly at this time 
mm-hmm. I think it is incredibly silly when so many people have been furloughed and are still struggling financially and businesses are struggling and they're just going back. So it's not like it was done a month after. So you've got your first full pay. Yeah, exactly. Full wage or something like that. It, this has been done essentially well, two weeks it, later. It is being introduced. That higher rate is being introduced about a month later, in fairness. Oh, sorry, 22nd of June. Yes, 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 yes. Sorry. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes. I am now struggling with the calendar. Days have no meanings. Now calendars yeah, have I, no I meanings. Sorry, that is all my fault. Apologies. Yes, yes. That is the increase is, yes, he has done that better. Not good, but better. But I, I'm, I mean, I'm not surprised. To be honest, if he'd raised stuff and said it was raising it in January or February, I wouldn't have been surprised either. And I wouldn't be surprised if he'd done it just afterwards because frankly any excuse that he has to raise anything he will especially as the election's been changed yes uh, but on top of that uh, added as a further complication to it all is last year they announced they'd be sticking up the price of tube bus rail Mm. fares which will be going up so that that is happening as well it's one percent above inflation as well and that will be yeah I've been told by by several people, I've had quite a few conversations with uh, Daniel Puddicombe, actually, who knows quite a bit about TFL and how they run, and they struggle to make a profit anyway, which I was sort of amazed at. But then they ran through. he ran through some of the things they do and where they cover and how they don't get any subsidies from the government, ignoring this mm-hmm. bailout. But they are one of the very few, if not the only, um, transport network that don't get subsidies like the bus services up where i live will get subsidies from the government and stuff like that they're having to try and be profitable at source all on their own break evenable even yeah Yeah. and do you know what they generally do a darn good job yeah it's it's the one for wherever else you say you say yeah but the infrastructure is not great and then, you know, but London is, and, and London up until recently, I, if I'd lived in London, I wouldn't want a car. I would have no. rented every time I needed one. And you, and you can see why so many people do actually take public transport. When we, we if we go back to the government's um, report on uh, travel, why that London was so high on not using a car, whereas everywhere else is so high on using a car to get to work, and it's it's well, totally it- understandable. It takes at least half an hour less for me to get the train from here than it does to drive. There's a significant time saving in getting the train. It is the only place I mean, costs- in the UK where I will not take a car to. Ah, well, I will, because I'm an idiot as well. But yes, but but you know it better than me as well. It's normally necessity. It's not really necessarily choice. Mm. So, <laughs> Anyway, so that, that was last week's big, big news. Yep. Right, let's move on to something that has been bubbling away for a little while, and that is the discussion about a scrappage scheme. Again, just got a bit of uh, traction on <laughs> Twitter yesterday or the day before. There was a there was a lot of lot of discussions about it. From and it was it was interesting to how it was couched because a lot of people saw the last one as an abject failure or as very damaging. But they were looking at it from a very narrow perspective, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Which is people who like old nerdy cars. Yeah, they were bemoaning that some perfectly good cars were taken off the road and replaced with very A segment dull things. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mention. You're not gonna mention the Hyundai i10 of the time. Yeah. No, I'm not because that's unfair. Because it's just, everyone always says that car. It just seems very unfair on Hyundai. It's not their fault that people went in and you got those. <laughs> they, they, they are aware of that. That that's what happened. Yeah, it's like the Hoover. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there was a lot of hooing and hawing about that, and I saw a few discussions from people uh, who who were from OEMs explaining how manufacturing has moved on and the resources used to make a new car these days is a lot less than it used to be and if you compare that to an older car to keep it going etc cetera, etc cetera, and try and you know using facts and figures to suggest that it wasn't quite as black and white as it's a dreadful idea my problem with it well there's two problems um I'll leave probably the second problem for you because you wrote the card that's in Trello. Uh, so the, the, I totally agree with what you said there. Uh, but the first one is, and you've mentioned this last time, the discussion about scrappage was was thrown out. The industry needs to be self-sustainable. It cannot, it cannot keep saying, give us a handout every time there is a problem. And I understand that this is very unprecedented. And I understand that the the Chancellor this evening even said there is no clear recovery from the position we are going to be in as a nation financially, let alone the globe. So it, these are incredibly hard times I, it, that are about to descend upon us. I get all that. But this seems to be the go-to thing. Anytime there's a little bit of a squeeze, a little bit of an issue, it's, oh, have a scrappage scheme, that'll sort it. And that only fixes one portion of the whole automotive industry. What, the dealers? The dealers. And, of course, these articles that will be linked in the show notes is from Car Dealer Magazine. Yes. UK. You're right. And I think that there is a major question around sustainability and frankly if you need as an industry to get a bailout every time there is an economic blip or an economic issue yeah let's be more generous than blip then you should probably be looking at your industry folks i i think this really hammers home the constant growth oh, argument uh, it's which which is what which is what the, the manufacturers throw out and judge each other on is look how oh, yeah. much we've grown and how big our market share is and you sort of go okay now if we stop buying cars how how are you fit how are you how fit are you for tomorrow if we stop buying cars and that's where everyone or if we have to stop buying cars which i think is what the issue was yeah. the, the, the challenge has been here so there's the, so there's this side of this but what i want to know really is is there going to be a downturn and and this one bugs me because if i if i worked for a car manufacturer and i knew that i had lots of excess stock and excess capacity and that basically every time i built a car i was losing money i don't know that i would be rushing to reopen my factories as quickly as some of them have been now we know that germany did it and then discovered there wasn't enough immediate demand yep uh, volkswagen did it in germany and and for some models there wasn't enough immediate demand and also there weren't necessarily the supply chain for all the parts they needed so that's the other yep. side of that one what i'm trying to say is why are all the manufacturers returning so quickly if they would really rather people are going to 
buy up all this buy up all their stock if they've got lots and lots of excess stock so what i want to know is is there going to be a massive splurge like we talked about last week where everyone said you know the dealers have to be all ready for this massive influx of buyers that's coming in and you're going to you're going to be swamped swamped so that you can't even maintain the social distancing rule or are they going to be empty deserts of tumbleweed behind between the display models because there's two very different stories coming out here yeah and i don't know which one's right or if people or if cynical hat on as ever if you'll get well there's going to be loads of people let's make sure there's even more people with a scrappage scheme because we can get rich quick yes i i worry there is a, a incredibly short-term thinking going on uh i've worked sales people well there's no i've, short-term I've thinking. worked with and for enough companies that fudge end of quarters and stuff like that and i worry that the creative excelling mm-hmm. is going to kick in the, and it's so- going to cause a problem two quarters down the line another quarter down the line their, their sales for yeah but they won't care because they've had their bonuses for those other two quarters and that's what happens with sales folk mm. sorry sales folk but i'm afraid that's the way you are <laughs> in all industries no matter what it is you're selling you can generally only look as far as the end of the quarter and your bonus and i've been stung by that too many times and fitted up by salesmen that it that i i have no truck with it at all and tough it really gets on my bits so it, it is going I, I i don't know either i don't know is it that there is is uh, there is i don't thousands know but... of people sat at home chewing on their credit card desperate to get a new car is it everyone's gone holy smokes look at everything uh we can't spend any cash at all is it a little bit of or a lot of both but not maybe the full hit of both I don't know. And I think the other thing that has to happen, that really has to happen, and the, I, I, I'm i not sure, I keep veering towards that the car industry is quite arrogant, but it, I'm not sure arrogance is quite the right word, but to sit there saying, oh, well, the government should help us, and go, have you seen every other industry apart from, say, paracetamol makers or rubber glove makers who isn't struggling right now? You're in a big queue. You are in a big queue of people that the government doesn't want to be in deep trouble because it will cost them more if people are unemployed. So your arguments are going to have to be good. Here's, here's a hint. If you do go to Parliament to plead your case or whatever, don't go in the private jets. Learn from what the Americans did wrong. Don't go first class on the train. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit of humor. I have a funny feeling they they will actually just, just, just will go by car. Just a little bit of playing it down slightly. No, I don't want to. Sorry, they'll they'll turn up in whatever their elect their electric model is, which uh, which means they don't have to they they don't have to do the well, they'd be paying, congestion charge. They'd be paying fifteen quid, wouldn't they? <laughs> No, they're not. They're, they're I know EVs. exactly. Otherwise, they're paying fifteen quid. Although <laughs> I know a little, a little bit on the side of that story is that I noticed some people who normally are like, "Whoa, EV, hey," saying, "You know what? Normally, I'd be crowing about this, but actually, I think it's so badly judged that it's just not. No, not going there. Mm. Not going there with our message on that. Yeah, yeah. That 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 gives you an idea of the severity of that particular the message. Anyway. 
one last zero emissions, low whatever thingy, city mobility blah story. Quick and one. We shall talk more about cars, please. Grant Shapps has asked that one of the cities in the UK be the first to step up and become a zero emission with the in these times saying that this is a great opportunity to accelerate any plans and bring them into force. And York has stepped up and said, um, possibly it could be us. Now, there's still discussions going on because this is the York deputy leader, Andy Dargon. Dargon? Uh, hang on, that's just a... Yeah, the, I th- yeah, that. I think... Sorry, apologies to the uh, City of York deputy leader for butchering his second name there. But uh, he has agreed that uh, he would back and support a a bid that the York Labour Group, um, which got in contact with council leaders saying, we need to get ahead with this and bid for it. But it is to make the the city centre a completely zero emission, so only EVs, pedestrians and bicycles would be allowed in. So that would actually stop... Ban petrol and diesel cars plus buses and trucks. Yes, that was it. That's what I was looking for. This excludes private car journeys uh, by the by disabled people by the way until yeah until 2023 we've talked a bit about the the york one before and and how what they were even considering at the time just seemed quite well thought through and it makes sense in york because it does have a fairly high tourist population uh, it's already it got a fairly decent up. cycle yeah set up there um having to i spent a spent a night there uh, back end of last year and i noticed that their cycle lanes were good chunky sizes and they were well used mm-hmm. um so you know they they and and york said we want to hear from people we want to discuss it with with residents to get this right which when at the time there was other other cities that were less wanting to in or less involving of local residents and were just telling them this is what is going to happen <laughs> well are we mentioning no names bristol uh, and Oxford. And oh, oh, just Oxford's awful. Sorry. <laughs> my, I just, I just, there's one city that will make me involuntarily say that. There's two, actually. Oxford and Cambridge are both terrible. But Oxford, I, I believe, is actually worse. Tell us about our favourite new EV company that we've suddenly come to like and champion on this. Yeah, I know. And so to Oxfordshire. <laughs> Seamlessly. We've talked about Arrival recently because they are the new EV company uh, that seems to be making the most noise uh, about about stuff and about uh, commercial vehicles. Certainly. They have truly come out of stealth mode. <laughs> yes, totally out of stealth mode, and and so they're, they're there all the time, and it's and and they're interesting, and it seems quite well thought out, and all these these good things. Uh, but they bought a new thirty thousand square foot site at Link Nine, just outside Bicester on a 10-year lease, uh, and they're going to turn that into a composites production facility. They already lease Unit 1A, which I think was the last time we talked about them, to use yep. as the micro fa- a microfactory. So this is basically being able to make their, um, I assume, uh, make their body panels, make any, any carbon fibre bits, yeah. composite bits that they need. I said carbon fibre. It's just because it's composites doesn't mean it's carbon fibre. It could easily be... Uh, honeycomb sandwich um, aluminium or it could be anything like that it doesn't have to be carbon fiber whenever we say composites could just be normal glass fiber and composite sounds posher yeah Uh, but they yeah so they've agreed the the lease on that uh, which is pretty cool yeah it is it is good news it's i'm 
very intrigued by Arrival. They seem to be making very grown-up steps. Not overextend. They don't appear to be overextending themselves. No, no. Well, they, they is, do have that, which is a relief. It, <laughs> yes, and they came out of stealth mode really quite. Well, they were super stealthy, and that nobody would really heard about the the eighty-five million from Hyundai and Kia. Yeah, uh, until it was announced. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to to find out. I really want to know more about them. Yes. What we know isn't that great. We know what they're kind of doing and buying and renting, but we don't know that much about them, and that would be really, really interesting. Maybe we need Someone. to give them a shout. Yes, if I knew how to, but yes. I think we could. We know enough people that we could find out. We should be able to find out, really, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah I think so. I think that's about the end of the first part. We talked quite a bit there, actually. Uh, we did. And I, th- I think we were quite balanced for a change as well. I was, <laughs> I was a little bit, I was a little bit shouty. No, no, but I was ready to put the boot in, and I thought we we mm. didn't do it as much as it could have been. No, no, there's definitely a lot of boot could have been deserved there. Anyway, uh, it is partway through the show, and it's it's that time when we remind you that if you have any cash burning a hole in your pocket, uh, especially patrons, that's frozen until the end of June. So I've made sure I've cancelled the auto payment for the, the June uh, outing. Uh, then if you do have cash burning a hole in your pocket, then please, if you could donate the amount that you would have given us, and you can spare it, by the way, to a relevant charity. If you're stuck, uh, then we recommend Mission Motorsport COVID-19 Response Fund. Mission Motorsport, as I've been saying each week, is trying to put in place a framework they need to support their beneficiaries remotely and to enable the community and camaraderie that they foster so well in person to take place online. There's a link in our show notes that you can use to find out more and to donate. And thank you uh, once again to the people who who have actually who said to us, thanks so much for pausing that. Uh, here's where my money went instead. Mm. Uh, that's really cool. That's that's really nice. Love to hear that. Yeah, that so is. Thank you. Thank you. Right, Le Mans. Yes. Le Mans. Now, we, we don't normally cover WEC racing and all the rest of it, but we do usually mention Le Mans because it's super special. Mm. And... It has been postponed as of now, the actual race, till September, I believe it is. It is, yes. However, there is going to be, brace yourselves, everyone who love online racing, but there is going to be a virtual Le Mans 24 uh, starting on the 13th of June, which was the weekend that it was supposed to take place. Anyway. So just quickly, is this going to be Ile Mans or Le Mans? Um, or E24 hours uh, the only headlines I've seen have, have only called it virtual Le Mans I actually think that's what it's going to be referred to as I think yeah. otherwise you're breaking up the trademark but the the race itself is going to be run via the R Factor 2 game on PC and then teams will have uh, there's going to be a maximum of 50 teams because that's all the game and servers can cope with and there will be four drivers, two real-world drivers and two sim racers in each team. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are you can make your own livery and all the rest of it. There's no confirmation exactly yet of who's taking part. Toyota have confirmed this afternoon, by the way. Oh, they did, did they? Great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there are other manufacturers that are supposed to be very interested. Asim Martin, Ferrari and Porsche uh, were those that were talked about. I am presuming stroke hoping... Radio Le Mans are going to cover this. I would be so disappointed if they could. I would be gobsmacked if they didn't because 
they obviously bring a level of excellence. Yeah, a level of excellence and and a standard and style that everybody expects when you mention them on. <laughs> when it comes to the coverage, and they've shown they can knock it out the park with uh, online racing. Anyway, yes, absolutely. So I I I for one am delighted that this is going to happen, and I hope it runs better than the last Formula E race, which was an actual car crash. <laughs> they really I, do need I, to sort that Formula E. I, I heard that. Yeah, it was. It yeah, was. I, hadn't, I didn't really see it, but... grim. It didn't do sim racing any favours, and it just reinforced the problems we had last series with mm. the road that the they're just making these corners where you just go, that's just an accident waiting to happen. And obviously yeah. it's even more so on a sim racer. Yes. Yeah. And they were actively trying to stop that happening in this, this year. Yeah. And um, it was much better. Real life. And it, and it was working and that's the most disappointing part about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okie doke. Last week we mentioned the revs limited online car show that took place, which was, Superb by all accounts, looking at the comments on Twitter. It was. That's what I'm about to say. It was superb. There were some great things on there. And it's really cool. Um, uh, you know, lots of people sharing pictures of their, their cars on, on in the, the Facebook group uh, that, that there was. So you could... You could essentially, by scrolling through the timeline, it was like walking around the field. There was like people with a car, a little description of it and stuff. So you could, you know, ooh, like, you know, and, and ask, and people were asking questions about them. I and it was really cool. It was like, in fact, there was less inhibition about asking questions about people's cars. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, genuinely. And, and it was just, it sounds so dumb. Even in Facebook, there was a really nice atmosphere. Uh, but on top of that, there was also the, there were, 15 minute slots throughout the day uh, on both days on both saturday and sunday and it was uh and it was lots of people talking about lots of different things either it's a car they'd restored that was special if you're paul cowland it was trying to run around all of your cars which are in your garage at the one time and try and give a little bit of a talk about them and try and do it 15, 15 minutes 15 is minutes. not enough <laughs> It wasn't, no matter how quickly you went, uh, which was really cool, and and um, and felt like uh, Matt Burt had, had done a, a will it drift with a radio controlled, uh, the radio controlled cars that he's been restoring uh, during lockdown uh, in his shed. There's also a oh, there's a video on his YouTube. If you search for Matt Burt, then uh, then then there is one video on there, and it is a will it drift of, of the radio controlled cars, and. Really good. It was excellent. I I dipped in and out. I was kind of I was kind of busy at the weekend, uh, but I dipped in and out and had a, a good look at that. So this week, uh, we're going to tell you about the world's smallest Concours d'Elegance event, which is the Isolation Island Concours d'Elegance, uh, and the idea is that it brings it brings a, a concours of model cars to to which will be judged by by judges participants aren't able to spend more than 285 pounds on their entry uh so so you know you can't go off and buy and buy or have someone build a multi-thousand pound or dollar um dollar model uh you, you that's that's what your limit is so from there it's down to presentation how nicely you take the photographs what details you can include any tweaks and 
tweets and twiddles you do to them, you perform to them. Uh, and they've been holding these every two weeks on 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 Facebook as well, uh, but they're trying to widen it from there. So the full rules and the entry will be on the Isolation Island uh, website. There'll be a link in the show notes. There is genuine money for the winners of these, uh, and it will be judged by a, a panel of thirty, which includes Concours d'Elegance uh, experts former racing drivers and then people like the uh, card designer Ralph Giles from from FCA uh, and other people like that so the same kind of people you would expect at one of the big concours d'elegance mm. uh, so it, it should be interesting again hopefully they can um, th- they can capture the same kind of spirit that the the the, the Revs limited did uh, and have that sort of same same feeling of of, of walking around a field yeah. Only in this case, it's a manicured golf course and you've got a glass champagne in your hand. <laughs> yeah. At least I'm told that's how these things go. Something like that. <laughs> right, lunchtime read. Mm-hmm. And this is actually the entire latest edition of the Bangonomics magazine. Uh, and uh, he has uh, James Ruppert, friend of the show, and also a uh, guest on special edition and uh, on rear view, but he has I, and person who once offered to bid on a Renault four van for me. Yes, <laughs> uh, but he has created a backing Britain edition to the Bangonomics magazine, and it's actually the whole magazine is worth it. But this, this, this—it's it, a list, but it's such a positive, uh, positive list that is not controversial in any way. Actually, I don't think. And I, I read it and I felt really upbeat after reading it, which goes to show how great his writing is. Long-time listeners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alan, say nothing, please. <laughs> no, it's true. But but there's some there's some great stuff in here. And also he's, he's um, highlighting and showcasing some businesses that are out there and are are working and are still open for business in case we'd forgotten during these times. So there's... Obviously, there's lobster diecast is in there. Uh, again, friend of the show, always always enjoy seeing what lobster diecast put on there. S- Slick attire. Uh, I wear some of their very vintage uh, Dan's very now very vintage t-shirts from there as well. Yeah, great escapes uh, or great driving days. Sorry, uh, as the, the, the how they're called now, and it's just a, it's just a great. It's it's only twenty eight pages long, but there's some great articles in there. Uh, and there's some fab people uh, highlighted in the back because he's got a Brit list um, also uh, highlighting uh, companies and places which we somehow have managed to be included in. I don't know. Did did you slip in money? Uh, no, I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't either. So um, this, is, this is very kind. <laughs> yes. Uh, and um, it's worth also mentioning that, that if you are a car-related or automotive-related business – and you would like included in 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 future issues, then do get in touch with James. He's he's doing it. He's not charging for that. No, he's not. There there is another particular article I do like um, that he that he's talking about. BMH is open for business. It's titled, and he's basically saying which which is uh, an very much an echo and repeating, and also con- saying the same things as uh, Salvage Hunters Classic Cars do, is they is highlighting that we've got loads, loads of local 
companies that do fabulous work that we just may not think about and look to them first, particularly as we start to come out of lockdown and as as we start to get back to some sort of normality. And, you know, with all the, we said at the start of the show, with the pressures that is going to be on the economy and everything, the more that we can help local businesses, the more that it helps this, this country. And without sounding like I'm going to start marching with flags and everything. But I, but I thought it was really positive, uh, a positive addition that James come out with this one. Mm-hmm. I like to guess it is. in case that a hasn't small, come across. A small message from Andrew Farage there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Talk about our list of the week then, please, Alan. <laughs> I come uh, to <laughs> sit in shock. List of the week whilst Andrew, Andrew works out ways to club me to death whilst maintaining social distancing and not making any unnecessary journeys. Uh, this week, it's one from Autocar, and it is The Unthinkables, 10 of the most controversial car innovations. Uh, and it's not necessarily the innovation itself, but where uh, a manufacturer or a specific model has made a significant change, which you'd really think would be completely and totally anathema to that brand or that model's heritage. Uh, And it's inspired by the C8 Corvette with its mid-engine layout and its weird shut lines. So, yeah, there's there's bits in there like uh, turbocharging a Honda VTEC. Let me quickly pick two... Front-wheel drive Volvos as well. How how many of these actually shock you now? None, but I'm more open-minded than many. I think I, I know the... we've got hindsight, and I know we're looking back on it, and we're and these things are now here, so there's familiarity. Uh, the idea of a turbocharged Honda, by the way, is the one that that I still feel really weird about. But my my feelings towards that car are. are sort of known and really should be more widely known. I think the the looks of the car shocked people more and sort of glossed over the turbocharging VTEC. Yeah, I think that's one of the one the reasons that it, it surprises me. I'd kind of forgotten until I was scrolling through all the instruments and found the boost gauge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's lots of good stuff in there, so do 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 have a look. I I've yeah, people get grumpy if we give away the whole list, but uh, so I've tried to leave some of the some of the other spicier ones in there. I haven't just picked the the, the most obvious ones, yeah. but but yeah, no, it's, it is it is an interesting list, and I think particularly with the with the fact that time has moved on, all of those, even some of the really new ones, I've sort of just gone. Well, yeah, of course they were going to do that. Yeah, I mean it's, it's obvious in some particularly cases. that red one. That was obvious from the. Yes, there was a car that we drove when it was new and it was just like, well, this isn't right. And that is the continuation of the this isn't rightness. Mm. In fact, that's... No, it's not worse. Sorry, it's not worse. Actually, it's it's probably a better vehicle than the one we drove. Which is probably why we've never been invited back to another BMW event. <laughs> but never mind. <laughs> right, and finally... We, we, we were young and innocent... <laughs> Do you want to do the end finally, or will I do the end you finally? You can do it. You 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 did the research for this. Well, tomorrow, as we record, and that is that is today. Whenever you receive this, uh, if you are a super a quick listener on the day of release, uh, which will be the twentieth of May, twenty twenty, is World Bee Day. And by the way, that is to do with the small <laughs> insects and not the uh, the piece of sanitary wear. Uh, so. 
It's been declared by the United Nations General Assembly, uh, and the idea is that it raises the awareness of essential rural bees and other pollinators uh, in keeping people of the planet healthy. Uh, Rolls-Royce have kicked it off this this year, as far as I'm concerned, with the press releases around this, uh, because they have about a quarter of a million English honeybees in six special hives named after models, of course. Are they specially hand-built? Beautifully, yes. Beautifully hand-painted. <laughs> it is. It's going to be sort of... You can imagine the lacquer work on the comb, on the sort of racks for yes. the combs inside and stuff. <laughs> uh, but they have it. So they have 250,000 English honeybees. And they forage in and around the 42-acre Rolls-Royce site, including the manufacturer's living roof. Uh, if you want to know why it's May the 20th as well, B-Day, uh, then it's the birthday of the Slovenian artist, designer, and apiculturist Anton Shazna. It says taking a running jump at the surname. Uh, from 1734 to 1773, who is considered the father of modern beekeeping, and his methods were still in use today. There we go. Rolls-Royce are not the only people who have bees. Uh, Toyota GB also have hives. GB. At, uh, GB, <laughs> yes. Uh, also have hives at Burheath, at their, their headquarters in Surrey. And they're going to be having, they're going to be, they're going to be doing bee-related things tomorrow as well, I believe. I wait to be astounded. Etc. Etc. Yeah, well, the, the yes. Yes. Uh, I don't know what happens to the honey. Rolls-Royce doesn't say what happens to the honey. But uh, at Toyota, then, they they do sell off. The, they have fewer bees, but they sell off the, the, jar, the jars of honey to members of staff in exchange for uh, donations to their, to their charity, which at the minute is Go Dogs for the Blind. Occasionally, because they don't harvest every year. No, no. But when they do, they, that's yeah. what they do. Yeah. There we go. Mm. How's about that for a car relevant and finally i liked it i just i just thought it just was nicely feel good to be honest uh parish notes i haven't updated this so no i i see that no special edition this week because the first time i could record our next special edition it was friday afternoon uh, so there is no chance that you'll be getting that on friday it'll be the next week uh the zoom zoomers chat Gossip, nattering, uh, is every Monday evening at 8pm and it's up on up on YouTube now if you want to see l- last night's. Last night's was, uh, the guest was Mr. Johnny the Edge, mm-hmm. who uh, reminded me how much I actually miss smooth traffic and deadliest boot spaces and all these kind of things, <laughs> um, which was cool. Uh Yeah. Uh, if you haven't already, don't forget there's a back, back catalogue of rear view episodes. And don't forget that you can badger Andrew for for new people who he might want to, who, whom he might in turn wish to badger to be on rear view. Yes. Uh, I'd suggested uh, episode this week is actually going to be reiterating what i said before and that is james ruppert i'm just trying to work just uh, he's episode 29 just search for james ruppert uh if you go to our, our site 29. or even if you just 29 it, or or even just your podcast player if you just type in james ruppert you should be able to find it um find him there uh speaking to andrew yep 
Uh, that was it for this week, I think. That is. For Parish Notes. Cool. Which, of course, brings us right to the end. So don't forget, folks, that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget uh, don't forget about Mission Motorsports COVID-19 fund uh, as a potential way to, as a potential charity to support um and if you do still want to help us in the meantime then you can leave a rating and review on apple podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing andrew what's the best way to get in touch with you best way to get in touch with me is via twitter if you search for crack windscreen you should find me there and alan if people would want to know any more fascinating bee related information what is the best way for them to get in touch with you personally <laughs> then uh they can they can they can buzz me on twitter uh, where I'm at A-J-P Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We're back very soon, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring if you need to go out somewhere that's essential or to work.